We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast. The forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. Discussion and debate in the blind about the best decoy spreads. How to blow a duck call? Blind placement? (laughs) Who puts face paint on their dog? Also notes on full freezers at the farm in Jack's Reef? An excitement builds over another cold front for your duck migration forecast. All on today's episode of the Foul Weather Podcast. We thank our weekly listeners. You know who you are. Those that never miss a single migration forecast episode each Monday morning. Y'all are ate up as much as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. You know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they are at. Think about that. You know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they are at. Our dedicated weekly listeners can pick the best days to hunt because the Foul Weather Podcast forecasts fresh ducks hot from the north. Shoot the ducks hot from the north before they know where they are at. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office in Jack's Reef with full freezers. As a reminder, we produce the only duck migration forecast available. All other migration reports are just that, reports. They tell you where ducks were yesterday or very often last week. We use the most up-to-date mathematical models to forecast duck migration each week from October to January for the central Mississippi and Atlantic flyways. We drop episodes each Monday morning for the next week so you know what days are the best to hunt fresh ducks Because fresh ducks are naive, and man, are they killable. We forecast fresh ducks. We want to note that we continue to get a ton of new listeners, so please continue to share, follow, and rate us. And thank you for joining us at the Foul Weather Podcast and being the first to know when ducks are forecast to show up in your area. If you're just joining us, catch up and go ahead and give prior episodes a listen, including episode 8, Predicting the Grand Passage of Ducks, that details how we make our weekly migration forecasts. As noted last week, we stay committed to the question about what decoy spreads work best from our friends in Iowa, and we'll touch base on that in a bit. We're also going to have a really exciting cold front migration forecast for you, But first, a little comment on living off the land from us at Jack's Reef. I think that the folks at Northern Latitudes now should be putting a lot of meat in the freezer for themselves, and our Southern brethren should be at least looking at having that table set for deer and ducks by their management and be looking forward to that harvest. So we're going to talk a little bit about where we're at at the farm and where we are going and kind of why what we do is what we do. 
So the home office in Jack's Reef has had about the best season in our 12 years at this great piece of property and in the nearby marshes we hunt. We're 21 days into our duck season. It's been wonderful. We're in a little bit of a split now, and we'll get back at it on the 25th. We had a great success on ducks at about probably four birds per hunt across a dozen or so hunts. My wife dropped a mule deer in Montana, and she got it back home. I mean, if you go back and listen to some episodes, she was stuck in a snowstorm. Um, but she did get that, that mule deer back home in a cooler, and it's in our freezer here. Um, we have a whitetail doe and, and three whitetail bucks from New York in the, in the freezer. And uh, I'm recording this on Sunday. So yesterday was our opening day of uh, rifle season, and, and we're, we're pretty solid. Uh, along with frozen veggies from the fields, we're, we're nearly at freezer capacity. So it's been a great year. Um, I'm really looking forward to our second split of duck season, which opens on the 25th. For us, our, you know, you'll probably hear about this in a bit here on the migration forecast. Our early ducks are leaving and our mallards are starting to show up just in time. So we'll have abundant diving ducks also showing up throughout the month of October in, in our part of the world. So it looks to be a great finish to the year, folks. It's my hope as the weather starts to cool places farther south that everyone gets into the act as well. And we have full freezers for all of us in the coming months at the farm. Man, we're looking forward to snow and, and ice and other activities like, you know, we start chasing rabbits in the snow and we ice fish. But we're certainly months out from that, especially in an El Nino year, which has a real high probability along with, you know, I mean, just general warming climate to bring us one of the mildest winters we've ever seen. So we're a little worried about that. We like our change of seasons. We like our snow. We like our ice up here. And, and you, I know you all like it too because it pushes ducks south to you. But we're a little worried about that coming this year, given that El Nino in the, in the general forecast. But we'll see what it brings. All right, so I took the bait from a group of dedicated listeners in Iowa to cover the best decoy spreads because they always, as they said, debate this question in the blind. I really feel like I'm getting in the middle of kind of a good old boy blind debate, which I've been part of many times. So, which if you've ever been in rural America at bar 30 after too many whiskeys, it ends up with some dude getting popped in the face, right? And I'm a scrappy fucker, but I'm, I've been, I've had my share of scuffles. Uh, my fake front tooth is a testament to that. So I'm likely going to avoid the metaphorical face punch on this one. Um, and I'm not choosing sides on the on the decoy spread question, for sure. This is like if someone asked me how to manage water best for duck habitat, right? When I start thinking about decoy spreads, I'm, I'm like, it's all the same. Like, why don't you just do what Mother Nature once did, right? When we think about managing water, how do we do it? All the plants and animals are adapted to some conditions from tens of thousands of years of natural flooding and drying patterns. It's the same for decoy spreads in other ways to attract ducks. Make it look like what a duck expects to see without you there with a gun blazing away at them. Don't think about it as faking ducks with decoys, but more so making it a real scene that they have seen when they've been safely landing and ate food and rested. Right? Easily said, more easily said than done. This also goes for calling as well. It needs to look and sound genuine. 
So first, get off your couch and into or at least near wetlands and see what species and numbers are moving. The physical range that our duck migration forecast covers on the follow of their podcast is about three quarters of the continent. So understand for the folks in Iowa and elsewhere that we have to generalize, but everywhere I've lived and hunted ducks, I'll start in New York. I grew up there, right? South Dakota, Missouri, Mississippi, Ontario and Canada, Maine, and so on. The best way to know how to hunt was to actually spend time in the truck or in the marsh by foot or boat and get to know the ducks. So a lot of places there's a lack of access so you can't kind of get out there and go see this stuff beforehand and I think that's a little bit of a problem. Um, I I feel like refuges and wildlife management areas are genuinely restrictive about this. Like if, if this was a place that you could um, go scout on private land you would just you would just go and and in no way I don't think you've ever felt like you disturbed birds so to some extent I think access is a huge issue with understanding these places but um, the biggest thing is like folks that have been there for seasons and know those areas you should probably try to befriend those people and because they're an asset in general right so there's a lot of um, knowledge about places within the waterfall hunting community. And a lot of folks don't want to give that away, right? But um, at times it's maybe a random draw and it doesn't really matter if if your friend gives you some information. But try to find the information where you can get it. If you can get out there on your own, you can scout areas. Um, you need to be on your feet. Um, you need to be in your truck. You need to be in your boat and understand what, what birds are doing um, to set decoy spreads and and call and act like the ducks that are on those areas in general. All right, so what does real look like to a duck? The right species in the decoy spread, the right number of decoys, the right movement, and the right sound. (laughs) You need to be doing what ducks do. The first big mistake I think most hunters make, and there is often no way to correct this, is too few decoys. The limitation is time putting them out and picking them up. If you're running and gunning, it's just not always possible. But here's the rub. If you run a pit blind on private grounds, you might be able to put out you know, 200 plus decoys. But if ducks get stale, they likely just know that your 200 decoys are decoys. Best place I've ever seen huge spreads was Lake Erie Marshes, where huge flights come from the north regularly, and guys would run big boats with 200 decoy spreads. They'd put them out at midday, they'd pick them up after dark, and they would slam migrants as well as some locals at those spreads. But these guys that run small operations with two bags of 30 to 40 decoys, right, they always get beat because that wasn't how ducks looked in those huge marshes. I mean, these were big bunches of ducks moving. All right, second look regarding decoys. Give them the right look. I keep a bunch of old, beat-up, water-keel flambeau decoys. Some of you don't even know what those are. They exist. Maybe I don't even think they make them anymore, but I keep them around. And they're mobile. I can carry them in and out. Um, I can bring them in a kayak. I can bring them in a canoe. I can I can carry them on my back. Um, but they really look like ducks coming out of molt in the early season. No Drake Mallard looks like your crisp decoy you bought yesterday. Young of the year ducks have never seen a mature mallard before. So show them what they've seen. 
This includes kind of the right species for the right places as well, right? Um, I think ultimately there's like this huge niche in the decoy business for real-looking decoys at the right time, right? The male blueing teal decoy that you see with that crescent is about laughable. Um, that thing doesn't even become looking like that until like winter or, or spring. Same for the male shoveler and a bunch of others, so... Yeah, decoys are made to sell, not because they actually represent reality. So those old beat-up decoys in the early season, fuck, throw them out there. They'll kill ducks if you're in the right spot. That's actually what they want to see. So movement. Movement is super key. As a northern latitude lad, I'm a huge fan of spinners because in the marsh, <laughs> the marshes we hunt they really work i mean these ducks are dumb but sometimes it you know it, it's pulsers or, or jerk lines right um calm days are always going to kill you calm wind days it's mostly because ducks can just you know go into stall mode as they fly over and they can look real closely at your decoys um it's it's probably more about being able to look at your decoys than still decoys but some motion that looks real i'd say is 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 super key you know if, if your spinners aren't working shut them off and run pulsers um and then if those don't work you know run some jerk lines and if that doesn't work just fucking go home i mean there's times when the wind's calm and the and the weather's warm and and the ducks just aren't going to work and you've got to be prepped for that and you know that's a huge that's a huge thing like my wife and i shot Almost two pin. We're we're in central New York, right? So people don't think about this pintail country, but eastern pintails are a thing. I've been saying that for years. I've been saying it to a lot of folks. Um, eastern pintails are a thing, and if there's one thing we shot, it was two pintails every single day. We had one day recently um, before that, right before the end of the split, it started to get stale. Our early ducks were leaving. Our mallards hadn't shown up, and it was eight thirty, and we shot a pintail about a half hour, I don't even know if it was a half hour after sunrise, it might have been right around sunrise, and then it just got weak, and we had work to do, and I'm like, you know what, screw this, let's go home, because there's no reason to sit in this marsh till noon and pound on these ducks when we could give them a break, because it's obvious they don't want to be in here. If, you, if you're going to shoot ducks in this marsh, you're going to kill them by nine, and they didn't want to be on there, and I, yeah, people stay on that marsh, that's fine. Um a little bit of a soapbox here, by the way. But the point is, is what we tend to do is we have other things to do. And if we don't kill, start killing ducks, we're going to go home. We're going to do that other stuff because our, our, our schedules tend to be more flexible than some people. Um, if you take the day off, fine. But also understand that the person behind you on the next day is looking for a good hunt. And if you're not killing ducks, just go home. Because if the person before you did that, then maybe the day that you go, you kill ducks. The whole public hunting thing is a wide open landscape and open for discussion. But I think my comment always is if you ain't killing ducks, just go home. I mean, there's a difference in timber. Like southern timber, you start shooting ducks from like 9 o'clock on, right? Like, okay, so get your draw, go sit in a timber and just wait for it to happen. That's different. But you're marsh hunting. If it ain't happening, you're just picking away at the like the last few ducks that actually want to use that marsh. And so the point of that is probably it needs a rest. And the people managing that very often aren't going to give it a rest. So you guys that are out there, hmm, I don't know, maybe you give it a rest. I don't know. That's, that's just me. I mean, I don't, I don't sit in a marsh forever and scrap out the last few ducks. I mean, I got shit to do. 
All right, the last point here about kind of how to work ducks and get them to come in is is sound. And I haven't even touched this Iowa, these Iowa guys problem yet, but we'll get there. Um, we're not even going to get close to covering how you sound with a duck call in this episode. Um, but you have to sound like a duck. I've, I've kind of heard it all, and it, it's sometimes gross. Um, in episode 11, I mentioned my friend James Calicut because of his work about what ducks eat. But James also, while he was at Mississippi State, um, he's, a, he's a duck call maker um, that actually researched and published on what um, duck callers sound like relative to a duck. So I'm just going to go more to come on this topic during an interview with James in the winter. The teaser here is that most duck callers don't actually sound like a duck. Most of you are all too pitchy. So just try to slow your roll. High balls. Yes, uh, high balls work. Oh, my God, are they annoying in the marsh? Um, But they work, but they definitely don't sound like a duck. And most of the time you need to kind of finesse and grunt into your call and think about like lower volume, lower pitch. Um, and think about those bassy sounds because we're mostly on the scale of how ducks call. Most of us are just too pitchy. All right. So I'm super skirting the topic of how to set decoys from our Iowa friends. I feel like I'm in that kind of rough bar at 1am from my youth trying to kind of play the middle ground to not get punched in the face. Um, Cause it's a, it's a topic of discussion, right? I'll, I'll hit some highlights here, but I'm kind of going to get out of this. Like I would have at the bar fight by like kind of talking about um, there's, there's some cool mallard migration stuff coming. Um, at the end of this, we got some cold fronts coming. Um, so stick around. I'm going to tell you some decoy stuff here. Um, but, but we do have actual movement this week of ducks. And so hang with us. I'm super excited about it. All right. So into the guts of the decoy question, I'm a big fan of the J decoy spread with a line of decoys kind of along the shore, but like not in a perfect line, you know, still bunched up, but not close enough to look, you know, like it's not real. Um, so they're not actually in a line. Then a bunch of decoys kind of at the end of the spread at the bottom of the J, right? And then several on the outside with the opening of the bottom of the J facing into the wind. So kind of ducks look to land into that sweet spot for you at about 30 yards, right? If possible, we kind of set this for a right-handed shooter. So the ducks are kind of going right to left, which doesn't tend to bind up your body like a left to right shot does. A bunch of caveats on that spread. Early in our season, we keep a few with ducks, you know, kind of near shore, coupled with mallards at the bottom of the J, kind of that long part of the J close to the blind. Um, and as we go to the bottom of the J, we put like mallards and pintails. And as we move into the shorter outside part of the J, we throw out mallards, widgeon, and gadwall. So we're kind of going from shallow feeding ducks and near shore feeding ducks to outside feeding ducks. But mallards are always in there because they're kind of generalist, right? We try to keep mallard and black tick pairs um, together by males and females because they're starting to pair by October, but like other species pair later. So we do a random toss of sexes, right? But honestly, I think we're overthinking most of it. We're also a fan of just two kind of solid bunches of decoys of completely mixed species when the marsh is pretty much the same depth or 
like we're in the middle of a 300 acre area is kind of species wouldn't be separated by depth like what i kind of talked about with the j thing is when there's like this basin and there's different depths but if they're not separated by depth and food preferences as much we just do two big flocks of like 20 decoys on either side and then a few spare pairs of mallards and black ducks on the sides um, kind of a way um, to look real so again, early in season, we use decoys that are kind of rough old ones that still look like they're in molt. And then we use like really clean decoys and start to remove the wood ducks, the widgeon, the green wing teal, the gad wall, and move more exclusively towards our prime kind of late season mallard and black duck decoys that are really nice and crisp. Oh, but goodness, opinions are like duck buttholes. They all differ. <laughs> They're all different. All right, I just said this. Opinions are like duck buttholes. They're all different. So please continue to debate about decoy spreads, how to call, where the blind should be placed, because it's among kind of the best part of duck hunting, right? Give your buddy shit and get it back, right? At the end of the day, we just hope to shoot some ducks and have a great hunt. And goodness, the debate about all this is is part of it, right? It's fun. Um, we've put some science behind this for migration, but like what makes ducks move on a daily basis and how you kill them and, and what your decoy spread looks like is that's the fun of all of it, right? Um, you get in the blind, you eat breakfast, you hang out with friends, you hang out with a wet dog, um, you shoot some shelves, you hopefully bring some ducks home, you cook some ducks. But at the end of the day, you continue to debate. Um but I'll tell you this, don't put black face paint on your yellow lab unless you want it to look like a zebra for weeks. I mean, I got that obviously depends on the black face paint, but um, those yellow labs still blend in pretty well. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of the black lab and the shadow type of things, um, but the yellows with a good um, camo vest on, uh, they blend in pretty well as well, so... We've done that in the blind. I mean, I think debate-wise, we can we can we can put that one to bed. Don't put black face paint on your yellow lab unless you want them to look like a zebra for weeks. We've just scratched the surface on this topic of you know what do decoy spreads look like and what should how how should decoy spreads be put out um, f to be optimal. The point of these topics, I mean, it's going to be debated through kind of duck hunting history because. Obviously, the situations change depending upon where you're at. I mean, so get into the marsh, experience it, learn it, adapt. Let the ducks tell you what works and what doesn't, right? Let the ducks tell you what works and what doesn't. Learn from them. So go get them, my friends. All right, so we are on the brink of much of the U.S. being open for duck season. I think very few folks are not open yet across our southern tier states. The Arkansas boat race is already the boat racing has already started uh, but it does remain really dry 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 across much of the south and southeast um we certainly slightly miss that rain that the foul weather podcast forecast last week for the texas coast louisiana mississippi and alabama it just veered a little bit south and mostly stayed in the gulf the long-term forecast continues to be super bullish on rain in the deep south. So we have high hopes for rain. But again, I mean, I thought that was the start of it. There's a little trickle of it coming in, but I don't think that the actual total organization of this rain occurs until about the new year. 
All right, the migration forecast. Mallards by late week is the big news. Mallard movement by the late week. The expected lull started throughout the mid-continent in most places as early ducks got stale and the big mallard push had not yet happened. We want it, we're really doing a more detailed migration forecast this week because we're really starting to get into the kind of the guts of the season for y'all. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So let's start in the extreme west of our forecast area. For Texas, we expect a major influx of ducks on Friday and Saturday this week. Duck movement for hunting should pick up in Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, and Nebraska prior to that cold front on Wednesday and Thursday as those ducks start to feed and look to move south. Colorado should see a major mallard migration into that area Thursday through the weekend. In most places farther south, we'll mostly see widgeon, pintail, gadwall, and other early migrants. Farther east, the mid-continent should see a major movement of early migrants late in the week into the lower portions of the mid-continent and possibly into the deep south. Our forecast is that the weekend will be among the best we've seen for duck harvest per hunter in the mid-continent since our openers in the deep south will also have great timing to bring early migrants your way during or near your opening days. Farther east in the Atlantic Flyway, we actually see our first big movement of early migrants out of northern latitudes this week. Um, I was in the deer stand yesterday, and we've had a trickle out. Uh, My deer stand's in swamp country, um, and it was nearly like what I heard was all mallards quacking. I heard a few widgeon whistle, um, did not have any notion of a pintail, so I think a lot of them have moved on. Um, They've slowly trickled out over the last few weeks, as expected. Oddly, there's still some wood ducks around. Um, We've had a really mild year, right? Pintails seem to be gone in general. I mean, I think folks will shoot them here on the 25th when we open back up a bit, but they're they're not like what they were. Um, It's been a really odd year. I mean, our deer rut is about two weeks behind. My my wife shot a, a ruddy buck yesterday chasing does, but it's the first chasing we've seen. And usually two weeks ago, I'm in a bow stand and on the edge of the neighbor's property, and I'm seeing deer just run all over the field, and I haven't seen anything like that at all. So I feel like all this stuff is two weeks behind. We're in a really mild kind of a kind of a um, uh, stint here so hopefully we get some cold fronts as, as we're talking about next week to kind of start to get stuff moving a little bit so i think this week with the cold front will kind of be the last of the early ducks in new york in good numbers and you know the mallards are going to be starting to show up in, in black ducks and so we're going to be moving early ducks to the deep south uh, mallards are going to be moving into our kind of locale and i think mallards are mostly going to be hung up at about the latitude of new york and the atlantic flyway for for quite some time now that's very typical at this time of year where we lose our early ducks we can shoot a few of them 
um, come the opening of the split, and uh, but but mostly we're we're looking at shooting mallards and black ducks and and probably Canada geese and then you know divers and things like that into the future. So the story of this week is go get them if your season is open. Most of you have seen a lull in your season, um, but by late week it should pick up. There's a lot of cold front stuff coming. It's probably a stretched uh, stretched polar vortex. And the stretch polar vortex is what we kind of expected to happen, um, kind of a late November, early December event. So go back in our episodes and look up um, the polar vortex in episode 12, uh, where we talk about what that means and how it might reorganize and actually create um, warmer weather for us throughout the winter. So I think the point is, is at this, <laughs> at this point, go out and get them because we might go back into a very mild winter. You've seen this where you get duck movement and then it lulls, duck movement and then it lulls. But this, uh, this movement might be the big one um, for the season at this point. We will see. But it really looks like the possibility that this is one of your big movements to go out there and kill ducks. So go after them, kids. The Foul Weather Podcast forecasts fresh ducks. Know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they're at. Shoot the ducks fresh from the north before they know where they are at. We will soon be starting to release limited episodes of the Kitchen Conversations and the In the Marsh series, which are conversations with duck hunters and duck country, as well as raw, mic'd up conversations and shoots throughout Duck Country USA. Spread the word about the Fowl Weather Podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Ducks will move. They will migrate. Follow us to find out when and where. Remember to share, follow, and rate us for free. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, look us up on the web at foulweather.co, where you can find episode links, recipes, and additional information about how to support the Foul Weather Podcast. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thanks for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. 